series we're calling a, a season of miracles. And how many believe that God wants to do miracles in your life, in this church? Amen. He is a God of miracles. We sing about it. We believe it, right? How many have ever had a miracle? Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Let's read the Word of God together. Let's read this great story of today's miracle. Are you ready? Use your loud voice, and here we go. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, now pause there just for a moment. That's the phrase the Holy Spirit literally lifted off, off of my Bible for all of us today. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. The four that brought him, that combined faith. There's power when we put our faith together. Amen? There's power when we do it together. Let's start there again. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's praise God for his word right now. Holy Spirit, lead us, teach us, give us revelation knowledge, inspire faith. Show us, Lord, what the word of God is saying to us today. We'll give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. This incredible story of these four guys that brought their friend paralyzed on a mat and found such a creative and unique way to get him in the presence of Jesus. So let's look at the outline today. There's four things here that when Jesus said he saw their faith, what did he see? He didn't see mental assent. He saw their faith. There were things they were doing that he saw, and that was the faith that brought about this miracle. The first one is compassionate faith over impossibilities. We might say compassionate faith works because faith without works is what? Dead. And so faith always has fruit, always has works. There's always action to faith. That's what Jesus saw, not just them believing from their head, but they were doing something. They had, they had compassion. Now, they, they were sensitive to the needs of their friend. They were concerned. They cared enough. I mean, no, it always starts with love. It always starts with compassion. In fact, the Bible says that faith works how? By love and through love. And so their faith was concerned about this, about this man. You know, people really don't care how much we know till they know how much we care. Is that right? And before you ever share your faith, you need to show love. You need to show people you care. Romans 15, 2 says, we shall all be concerned about our neighbors. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. People should be concerned about others and not just for themselves. And so th these four guys, and we don't even know their name. We don't know who they are. They're in the Scripture this one time. 
And, and so someday when we get to heaven, we'll get to meet them and know their name, know the rest of the story, right? And so, so here we, we see these guys were not preoccupied with their own needs. They have needs. We all have needs, right? But oftentimes God is wanting us to step outside of ourselves and not just focus on our needs. Now, that's what I do best. What about you? When I start praying, I know my needs better than yours. I know the needs of my family, so that's where I start. Nothing wrong with that. But we shouldn't stop there, should we? And there's times when we need to look beyond ourselves and be more concerned about someone else, put someone else ahead of ourselves. And that's what these guys were doing. They weren't preoccupied with themselves, with their own problems or plans or needs or goals or agenda. They were reaching out. And one of the reasons Christians don't share their faith more is that they don't spend enough time with non-believers. The Bible says that salt is only good if you spread it around. Salt and the salt shaker is worthless, isn't it? Someone said that Christians are kind of like manure. You pile them up and they stink. Spread them around the world and they fertilize the world. I mean, you'd rather be fertilizing than causing a stink, okay? It's not just our four and no more. It's not just our bless me club. We don't come to church just to feel good and just have doodads up and down our, our spine. No, we're, we're here because we're interested in furthering the kingdom through these missionaries, through all of your missionaries, through your missionary program, through the ministries of, that, you're, that you're involved in, through the youth and the children and the men and the women and the home groups and the Sunday school. Everything we do is about furthering the cause of Christ. It's about welcoming people into the family. It's about allowing people to know that this is a place of hope and they can come here. And so I think a good idea is for us to think about. Have you ever done this? Sit down and think about the non-believers that you know. Start with your family, your neighbors, your friend, your coworkers, and start writing their name down. Have a prayer list that you would look at and pray over them because it helps to, to have that in front of you so that you're not just prone to think about your own needs, but praying about these people that you might know that God could use you in, in some way. Because the Bible always says that he uses relationships, right? He uses relationships. You've got a circle of people, think about it, that no one else can touch and reach like you. you know, who was it that brought Peter? Andrew, his brother, brought his brother Peter. Philip brought Nathaniel. The woman at the well went and told all of her friends. You know, and, and, and so God wants us to realize these four guys, Jesus said he saw their faith, their united faith. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The manifest presence of God when we join our faith together. If two agree is touching any one thing, that's the power of the family of God coming together. That's the power of corporate worship and corporate prayer that we join our faith together, and that's when we see the miracles occur as God begins to move and, and to work. And so we need to realize that there's a spiritual battle going on, right, and for people's lives, a spiritual war going on in their, in their minds. They've got a choice. They're going to choose God or the devil or, or themselves, but God wants to reach them in our prayers and our reaching out. It will make the difference. And so, and so these guys believed together the power of group faith, and Jesus saw their faith. Now, look at the second thing Jesus saw. Secondly, he saw persistent action over the obstacles. And they had the obstacles, didn't they? They brought to Jesus a man who was paralyzed 
and lying on a mat. These four guys developed a plan to bring their friend to Jesus, to bring them to Jesus. And the Bible says we're to go out into the highways and the hedges to compel them to come in, that my house may be full. And so God wants to use us. What were the obstacles? Well, they had a crowd. How many know sometimes we can be in the way if we're not careful? I mean, it was a crowd. I mean, this building seats, what, 450 or so? But, but there was, this was a mob. This was a crowd. I mean, there were no aisles. I mean, it was just the house was wall to wall all the way up to where Jesus was and all around him. And he's standing in the midst of this crowd, and he's reaching them, and there wasn't any way they were going to get this guy on a mat through that crowd to Jesus. I don't want to be a crowd that's in the way. What about you? I want to be the crowd that's showing the way, making room and welcoming people, allowing them to come in. And so we see that they, they had the crowd. I don't, think they, I don't think they called ahead and said, hey, can you make a reservation for us? Okay, can you clear out about four or five seats so we can bring this guy in? You know, if they'd done that, I don't know what the response would have been. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It just says these guys were concerned enough cared enough, had enough faith, were persistent enough that no obstacle was going to stand in their way. Nothing was going to discourage them. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. We just got to be persistent. Have you ever had anybody that you just kind of thought, Man, I think they're hopeless. I don't think they'll ever get saved. You might not have said it, but you might have thought it, huh? You have, you have a hard relative you prayed for for years, and all of a sudden, after a while, you just kind of quit praying for I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't think that guy's ever going to happen. You know, the early church in the book of Acts, they, they had kind of written off Saul of Tarsus. He was the hopeless guy. He, he wasn't ever going to get saved. He was the number one enemy of the church, persecuting the believers, you know, and having them stoned, martyred, you know, and he becomes the great apostle Paul. God, God can save anybody, Right? If he saved you, then he can save anybody, right? If he saved me, he can save anybody. He, he's, not, he's not restricted. He's not limited. And the greater miracle here was the salvation of this guy. Now, he got healed and walked out, but before he could walk out, he got saved. He was forgiven of his sins. The greatest miracle of all is people getting saved, hallelujah, taking care of the soul and the spirit that's eternal. And so here... Then that leads us to what the third thing that these that Jesus saw was their creative cooperation over inconvenience. Instead of the word inconvenience, I think it could also use the word independence. We're a rather independent group of Americans, aren't we? I mean, we kind of it's my way or the highway, you know. Have it your way. I mean, we're we just I've got it, you know. Even a little small child, you know, you you see that independence. No, no, Mama, I can do this myself. I got it myself. If we're not careful, that's what happens. But, oh, we're so much better together, are we not? When we join our faith and our prayers, when we come together and look at these guys, they stepped over that independence, they stepped over that inconvenience, and they cooperated together, but they did so with great creativity. Luke 5, 19 says, When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went on the roof. They didn't give up, right? They were persistent. They were creative now. Had anybody ever tried this before? I don't think so. You know, went on the roof, removed some tile, let him down right in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, as a public speaker, if you have ever spoken, taught a class or before people, if there's a distraction, what do people do? They turn toward that. 
and and when 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 I've been preaching before and so, there's some kind of distraction and everybody turns to that it's like you felt like I just lost everybody so can you imagine Jesus in the middle of this crowd he's preaching the people are hanging on every word and all of a sudden stuff starts falling over here from the ceiling and they hear this noise and they look up and they see a guy's face looking through the tile and he starts hollering at him says nope we're too far to the right he's over there move over so they come over here and they create a pretty good size hole because this guy's on a stretcher right and they let him down right in front of Jesus and those people right around Jesus backed up enough when this guy came down like an elevator he comes right down in front of Jesus they didn't give up they got creative if they'd asked the owner of the house ahead of time, can we cut a hole in your roof, he probably would have said no. In fact, he probably said, I just replaced that roof last year. You know, I don't need you messing, messing up my house. You know, these guys got involved, and they did whatever it took to get their friend in the presence of Jesus, to get him right in front of Jesus, dare to do something creative, Right? Hebrews 10, 24 says, let's see how inventive. Now, this is the message. I like this. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Think of ways to encourage one another with outbursts of love and good works. Be in, inventive in hospitality. And there's lots of examples in the Bible. You know, Matthew got saved. One of the disciples, he, he became and, and he's a tax collector. So what did he do? He invited all of his tax collector friends to his house, gave them a big dinner and brought Jesus in there so Jesus could teach and he could declare his, his story. Creative, right? But simple and fun. Well, what, what would it be like if we did that? What if, what if all the real estate agents, you know, would, would call, a, call a party for other real estate agents, you know? And what about if all the accountants got together and all the truck drivers and the teachers and the policemen and the young mothers and whatever, and don't you, don't you do that a little bit also with your home groups and with some of the things you're doing? And we, and we come together and we invite, and we invite someone. I, I love of the creative story of, of some, some couples in San Diego several years ago, and, and they loved football. They loved their San Diego Chargers, and so, so they bought season tickets to all the games and then they had the idea, what, what would it be like if we, if we all pitched in and bought, bought two more season passes? And then as we go to the home games, let's invite some of our non-believer friends to go along with us. Let's not preach to them. Let's just show them how much fun Christians can have. Let's, let's let them see Christ in us. Let's display that attitude. And so they'd bring a different couple to every football game. And after, after a little while, I think it was more than just a season, a few seasons maybe, uh, I don't know exactly, but they ended up winning 13 couples to the Lord and started attending their church just because they cared, because they did something creative. You know, if we're not careful, we get stuck in the past, don't we? We, get, we, get, we make sacred the, the methods. But the method is never sacred, but the message is. The methods have to change, but the message never will change. But we gotta, we got to realize there's some new ways to reach people today because people, we need to build some bridges to them. we got to give them the hope they need, the love they need. We need to show them that, that, that we're real and we really do care. 
And how many know it's more fun being a Christian than anything else you've ever tried in your life, right? I mean, the joy of the Lord, when they see that joy coming out of our lives, they, they, want, they want to know what that is. Back when uh, my son was getting ready to graduate from high school, and it was, it was 2002, and he was in a Christian school, and their class, every, every senior class would decide what their senior trip was going to be. And instead of wanting to go to, you know, Disney World or somewhere where they could just have fun, uh, I, was, I was proud of them. Uh, and my associate pastor, Gary Pratt and Lawton, he, his son was also the same age and in the same class. And, and that, that group of seniors, they decided we want to go to the Los Angeles Dream Center and be a part of a missions trip there. Now, has anybody been to the L.A. Dream Center? You've heard about it, right? And, and so Matthew Barnett, son of Tommy Barnett, that started this ministry years ago, and there's dream centers all over the, all over the nation and the world today because of it, but in, in a very difficult area, and they find this old hospital that, that used to, every, everyone in that county had probably been born in that hospital, and they reno, renovating it and turning it. Well, we get there in 2002 when they're renovating it. They've got some of the floors finished, but not all of the floors, but they're doing all of these incredible and creative outreaches going out under the bridge to the homeless and going, going to this neighborhood and passing out food and clothes and, and, and this and all the different ministries they have to try to show people they care. And people are getting saved and they're bringing them in uh, into these rooms as quick as they get them remodeled to rehabilitate them and restore them and, and to bless them. Well, when we get there in 2002, they had just, they had just acquired uh, the old Angelus Temple which was just about a block or two from, from the hospital they were renovating. Well, this goes back into the 20s and the 30s. This building was built in 1923, and you may know the name if you know your church history, of Amy Simple McPherson, incredible evangelist, incredible revival. And, and, uh, and, and she was, she, they built this building, it'd seat 5,000 or more at that time, multiple services millions of people came through there great revival how many believe that God has got a greater revival than we've ever seen in the past that he's about to bring and he can do anything and use anybody right and and so so we're there so I think I've got to walk down there and just see this this piece of history so I walk down there and they're working on it so it's open so I'm slipping in and I'm looking and I'm dreaming I'm thinking man what 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 happened here was incredible and then on that Thursday they had a service Matthew Barnett's church that had taken over had a service and it was it was probably a room this size or larger probably larger in this room and and it was they had about 800 there uh, for that Thursday night service now they were doing some very creative things they were reaching all kind of gangbangers and everybody else so that they got they got break dancing going on on the stage and they're singing songs and they're doing all this creative stuff and this place is full uh, of people and so I'm visiting with one of the ushers and I'm talking to him a little bit about the history of the of the church and that kind of thing and he said by the way he said Amy Simple McPherson's son is still alive and still comes to the church I said you're kidding how old is he He said he's 86 89 89 He, he finally died at 96 but in 2002, he was 89, and he said when he comes in, he'll come in, and he'll about, about five minutes before service, and he'll sit right on the front. 
And he just comes in just, just to applaud and, and, and just praise God for what's happening in the place. I said, I said, is there any way I can meet him? He said, absolutely. I'll come get you when I see him come in. I'll take you up and introduce him. So he did. So I sit down. I know I don't have much time. I think, man, i got to interview this guy and get a couple of things. But, but when he started telling the story, he told about how his mom, the glory of God would come down, miracles and healings and people saved. They'd pack that building with 5,000 people. He said another 5,000 people would be outside waiting. They'd dismiss one crowd and bring in the other crowd every, every night of the week two crowds sometimes three on the weekend that would come in and the power of God and the glory of God said but after mom died and he said over the years the church the church kind of kind of dwindled down kind of turned inward it got down to a hundred people in that great big building and in another part of the building they had a Hispanic service that was running actually more than the English service 300 and and he said but God had given me a promise and a vision that someday the glory of God would return to the temple and he, about that time, it was like a switch turned on. His face lit up like a kid on Christmas morning. He looked around at the crowd that was just packed in there, and he said, and that time has come. The glory is back in the church, back in the church. Here's a guy, 89. Did he approve of all the methods they were using? No, but he was excited about the life in that place and the souls being saved and lives being transformed. So he came and sat on the front row every time, you know, just to applaud and to, and to thank God for what God was doing in his church. And from that day forward, I said, I don't care what happens in the church. I don't care what method you use. I don't care what new ideas, but I want to be the guy that sits on the front row, and if people are being saved, I want to applaud it. I want to be for it. I want to thank God. I want to have that kind of attitude and that kind of faith. What about you? Because God is going to do new things. He's going to do new things, right? He's never done before. So we got to turn loose of the past and say, God, I'm ready to embrace whatever new thing you want to do. Hallelujah. I want to be ready for that. And the very last thing here that Jesus saw was their sacrificial cost, their sacrificial generosity over comfort. They weren't just concerned about their own comfort. They stepped out of their comfort zone. They do all of this work to carry this guy, okay? And it took all four of them because the guy's too heavy. For one or two of them, it took four of them to carry him, their cooperation, their faith, working together to get him there, to not be dis discouraged by the crowd, to find a new creative way to let him down through the roof. And, and who fixed the hole in the roof? Who paid for it? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But these guys were so responsible to do this, and they, they caused the mess how many believe, I think they probably are the ones, somebody did, I think they're the, probably the ones that, that paid for fixing the hole in the roof. And, of course, this guy gets healed after he gets saved, and he's walking out of there. Now, can you imagine being that? He couldn't get in lying on the mat, but he didn't have trouble getting out because, because he's walking down. Everybody's rejoicing and praising God for the miracle that they saw the remarkable things, miraculous things. He said, we've never, ever seen this before. Given God the glory, given God all the praise, hallelujah, because God is able. When you go fishing, Jesus said he was going to make us fishers of men, right? When you go fishing, you, you don't 
expect the fish to automatically jump in the boat, do you? You're leaving. I want to go with this fisherman right here, okay? He's got a secret I don't know about. No, you don't expect fish to leave their culture of water and come into your culture of air. We have to leave our culture of air and go to their culture of water. We've got to go to where they're at, go to, go to who they are. And we don't go out there and just put a, it's, you know, to, to expect fish to, to jump, except for my brother right here, to expect fish to, to jump in the boat is kind of like a church putting a sign out and saying, y'all come. That's the reason I'm so excited about your day of hope. A lot of churches wouldn't do that. A lot of churches would say, would gripe about giving up Sunday morning, you know, and, and, and doing what, you know, outside, you know, for most of the day, in the heat, uh, reaching people. And some of those people may never, may never step foot inside this building. But how many know many of them are going to make heaven because you're reaching out to them? You're showing them the love of God. And here's what I'm convinced of. When, when you are serving like that, doing it together, in faith, reaching out, Jesus sees your faith and the miracle, God's going to do the saving. You don't have to worry about that. But he also knows what miracle you need, and he's going to perform miracles for you. Because all the way through the book of Acts, people, there were signs and wonders and miracles all the way through the book of Acts. But they were simply preaching Jesus resurrected from the dead. And Jesus performed the miracles. They were always reaching out. They were always growing. They were always moving forward. And so God, God wants us to realize sometimes we've got to step out of our comfort zone, right? We've got to make the sacrifice. We've got to reach out to love people where they're at. And so, so is Jesus seeing compassionate faith works in your life in the face of impossibilities? Is he seeing persistent action against any obstacle, finding creative ways? Is, is he seeing this creative cooperation? There's nothing better than a church in unity working together in love, right? You know? Uh, over inconvenience is he seeing us our sacrificial generosity and paying the cost you know and in, in, instead of just being concerned about our own comfort God's looking for faith he's looking for faith demonstrated and the miracles he will do and how many believe a lot of people are going about to get saved in this church a lot of miracles are about to happen because we're doing what God asked us to do can you say amen hallelujah hallelujah why don't you stand with me today? How many, how many need a miracle today? And before we get to your miracle, maybe we should say, how many know somebody else that needs a miracle? Somebody in your family, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. You're thinking of someone that needs salvation. Why don't we pray for them first? Because God knows your need, and he's going to take care of your need. and He's going to demonstrate his power and give you a miracle as well. But let's just lift our hands right now and let's trust the Lord. Lord, for these people, we lift them up. Lord, many of them are paralyzed. They can't get to you. They don't know how to get to you. They don't know where their hope is. They need a miracle, Lord. They need us to demonstrate our compassion and our faith. They need us to find creative ways to not let the obstacles discourage us, to not let inconveniences cause us to retreat back, but to work together, to realize we can join our faith together, we can work together, we can be in, in harmony, we can be in unity. 
we can be willing to do whatever it takes to reach people with the message of Jesus. Lord, I believe, Lord, as we pray for these people, as we reach out to them, you'll give us creative wisdom and ideas. You'll show us, Lord, what we're to do, how we're to do it, who we're to reach out to. All of us, Lord, have a circle, have a circle of friends, have a circle of people we could influence just by the way that we live and just by the way we walk. So, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Use us for your glory, I pray. And manifest your glory, Lord, in this church. Lord, in this season of miracles, we're believing, Lord. Lord, that you will bless us to be a blessing. You'll open new doors for us. Lord, your hand will be upon us. Because without your anointing, we're nothing. And you will protect us, Lord, as we as we stand on the front lines. Lord, the enemy cannot harm us because you will fight our battles for us. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, how many, how many would say, I need to know Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I need to rededicate my life. I need to put Jesus first. Pastor Don, pray for me. Let me see your hand. Hold it up high and say yes to Jesus today. This is your day. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Yes. How many others? How many others? Now pray a simple prayer out of your heart right now. Just say, Jesus, I confess every sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for the free gift of eternal life. And I'm making a decision today to love you, to follow you, to serve you. I thank you for the miracle, the miracle of salvation. I believe I'm now a child of God. I'm going to follow you and love you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now we're going to sing this song. If you need a miracle for yourself, somebody you know needs a miracle, you want to stand in for them, you raise your hand for salvation, whatever the need, as we sing this, come stand up here at the front. We're going to have people come pray with you and believe God for your miracle. Would you come as we sing it? Let's sing it to the Lord just before we go home. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. The King is in the room. Come see the scars of love upon His hands. The King is in the room. We'll watch the darkness flee at His come.
God for those that are going to be saved already on their way to this church. Let's thank God. Every one of these chairs, Lord, represent a, a soul that you're going to save, Lord, that you're going to disciple. You're going to use us, Lord, as we yield ourselves to you. We expect, Lord, the miracle, miracle of salvation, the miracle of healings, every kind of miracle, Lord, for your name to be glorified. Lord, display yourself, manifest yourself. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you'll cause us to be during this week, Lord, and show us who we can encourage, Lord, with your love. In Jesus' name, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Hallelujah. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen. You can keep praying at the front, but God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.